Welcome to whatever Wing It Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know uh, what I'm doing. <laughs> Nick doesn't know what he's doing. It's the best thing. I love it when this happens. Stay with us. Clearly, what is going on, man? We don't need hey, to plan for this. This is a catch-up, whatever Wednesday. Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been lonely. It's been. Uh, <laughs> it's been like, what have I even been doing? Dude, man. the bromance is over. Ah, oh, bro, there is no bromance left. So you've been at School of Theology, uh, doing our usual bromantic week together. Yeah, um, it's been awesome. Yeah, I've been across, across. Uh, I've been hanging out with John Frame though. Yeah, that's nearly as good. Nearly as good as you hanging out with Fred Malone. <laughs> Man, so did you see Fred Malone resigned? You sent me the link, didn't you? I he, did, yeah. It was quite chronic because from... um, I yeah. interviewed him and uh, super excited to talk about Founders Press and the Founders blog and the Founders podcast. And he was a founder member of Founders. Mm. And then, boom, he resigns. Yeah, Damn. it's quite a shock. So I thought we better say something about that because I did drop that episode on the day that he resigned. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just, if anyone is listening to that, uh, you know, that is absolutely, I tried to say something prior to dropping that episode that we really, we have no connection to anything going on with founders and um, are really, you know, at some level disinterested in, in anything going on there. Oh, totally. But at yeah. the same time, you know, it is true that Fred Malone is kind of a founding member of founders. So it's hard to, kind of, <laughs> it's hard to escape that connection when you're yeah. running his interview on the same day he quits no connection necessary yeah i mean so the reason that he quits i mean i don't know how deeply you read it but it was um there's a trailer of a new doco that uh founders is putting out which is all about the new social gospel drive which seems to be creeping into the southern baptist hmm. uh, denomination hmm. and uh, in the trailer there was a sort of one to two second hmm. picture of rachel hollander is that her name uh, Den Hollander, um, something like that. Yeah. Den Hollander, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And uh, I think the the voiceover spoke about demonic attacks <laughs> against the church or something like that. Oh boy! And uh, you know, people are professional victims these days, and there was some professional offence taken. Yeah. And wow. uh, the whole internet got up in arms. Man. And um, you know, people try and read way too much into it in a culture of of uh, defensiveness. Yeah. And yeah, poor old Fred caught in the crossfire. Caught in the crossfire. But you know, I um, I you know, and, and anyone listening to this really needs to take my opinion on this on this whole thing with a a massive not a pinch of salt, but like a whole mouth a mouthful of salt because I really have no idea what I'm talking about. I mean, I barely watched the full trailer, but um, the um, you know, I mean, my initial reaction to that was, hey, that's a I totally agree with everything they're saying, except that is just a terrible way to go about saying it. It's just very, very, it sort of reminded me of Hell's Bells. <laughs> Do you remember Hell's Bells? <laughs> it's it's sort of like, to smoke marijuana. <laughs> it's the like, backtracking stuff. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like, wow, conspiracy theory. Like, dude, we're all recovering at some level from Hell's Bells type things. And so, you know, at that, I don't know, it just felt not very savvy and not very connected with with you know how people would receive it which was unfortunate because i think a message like that needs to be out there and i think those guys are well qualified to put that message out there uh and i suppose they'll go ahead and do it anyway but um you know it's just it's just unfortunate that it's so you know radically not winsome 
Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to already love the guys to, to kind of get through that uh, yeah. trailer. I don't and know, I'm was, on board yeah. with the concerns. I'm, I'm, on combo, oh, yeah. I'm on board with the issues. But the, I guess the whole trailer mentality and culture and the people who's editing the trailer and trying to give it that heavy conspiratorial yeah. we're under attack feel oh, probably overdid it yeah seriously yeah and then, and then yeah but i mean look at the end of the day um you know to be honest i didn't even pick up that little i didn't even get that little demonic thing with rachel Dean holland i didn't even you know pick that up when i was watching it i must have been like taking a sip of, of my coffee at that point or something but um yeah i mean like you could see how fred I mean, I really appreciated what he said in that. In that, he's just like, listen, I feel like we need to own that, and you know, why can't we own that? If we can't own that, then I can't be part of it. I mean, if, you yeah. know, to be honest, I felt like, wow, that's quite an extreme move on his part. But amen. It was know, uh, think- well, it was actually so interesting at the school of theology. So, um, knowing a little bit about what's been going on with Russell Moore and yeah. uh, ERLC and the social gospel stuff that's coming into the Southern Baptists and the conservatives being very critical. Mm. I asked Fred, I sort of threw out a a random question, you know, Fred, what are your thoughts on the whole sexual abuse thing going on in SBC? You know, Mm -hmm. just a very broad based question. And all of a sudden, Brew, he just threw down with us. He just started talking about how from the beginning of his ministry and every single pastor he'd been in, Mm. how, you know, this person had been abused and this elder had been abusing this person and that leader had been abused. It was just, it just got real. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I think it's an issue that's really close to his heart. Mm. And he he put a strong warning on us just to take these things very seriously. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, having, having heard Fred just talk out of his own experiences mm-hmm. and then he's just really on on the same page with those who who have been victims who took offense at the trailer yeah um you know he's hearing it through their ears and uh yeah so i mean i understand it i don't know if i would have done the same thing but yeah, yeah. i'm not in issues yeah totally. man what he's such a gentle ah oh, loving guy dude that guy is unbelievable so yeah that you know his sensitivity came through in that email and yeah i just appreciate his heart so that's happened um and that's a thing um and other than that um yeah so after after school of theology i went to the stand conference where we had joel beaky Oh yeah, you met you were hanging out with Joel Beaky too. Yeah, hanging out with Joel. So me and Joel were hanging out. Because yeah, you know good. Joel from back in the day, right? Yeah, he doesn't know me, but I know him. Okay, right. So, so uh, what was that connection again? He was your lecturer. <laughs> so back in the day when I was a, a sort of a pastoral intern, pastor in training with Martin Holt. Mm-hmm. Martin Holt and Joel Beaky were really good friends at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joel Beaky came over to do a Grace Ministers conference, which was a uh, pastor and pastor's wife conference at this five star hotel. And I remember how convicted I was. Hmm. I think he spoke on the minister and his tongue. It's like, oh, oh boy. Like everyone was on the floor, you know, <laughs> bleeding from the death of a thousand cuts from what he was saying. Oh, man. And uh, I just remember coming away thinking, man, that guy knows how to preach to the heart. Yeah, totally. And um, he's actually just re- uh, released a book called uh, Reform Preaching. And yeah. it's all about preaching to the heart. So I bought it. Yeah, it was really good. Oh, nice. And and he's put out that systematic with that other guy. Yeah, I bought that too. Yeah. I didn't realize that Paul Smalley, his co-author, is a Reformed Baptist. That's true. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. Yeah, I knew that and I forgot that. And you've just reminded me of that. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, good going. I think it's, it's pretty ecumenical. It's awesome. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see how they approach a systematic theology. I mean, where they go with certain angles. It'd be great. Yeah, what, what will they say at baptism? 
<laughs> what will like, they say at church government? <laughs> there's that. You know, yeah, exactly. And um, and just just the other things, you know, the culture, uh, culture, you know, the Puritan stuff will no doubt bleed through. Um, and you know, uh, you know, you get this. You read the Puritans as much as you love them, but you know, there, there's some stuff that's in the Puritans when it comes down to modern contemporary application that I don't know if it'll if it'll fly. And it'd just be interesting to see like what he does with that in terms of. Um, you know, yeah. just uh, maybe ethics and I don't know. I, I think he and, just goes there. I think he goes all the way. It's probably needed there. for that. I just think to, he just released a book on what the Puritans taught about marriage and, wow. he, and, he, and he sold it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I like it because it's nice. It's almost like you need a Burkhoff of the Puritans out there, you know, yeah. like this is what the Dutch reformed position teaches you know this is the widely held to view it's going to be the thing out there for for people to check out so if beaky does the same thing with the puritan kind of volume that'd be really helpful just to at least for reference and where are we deviating from the puritans so to speak yeah yeah, yeah. no it's so, really good yeah good all right so we're hanging out with joel we're hanging out with fred um and you've been hanging out with people in the states man i mean i've been hearing it through the podcast so, hanging yeah. out with frame well, I hung out with Frame. I've already updated everyone on that, so I won't go into that John now. John Mitha, the librarian. Yeah, wow. That was very, very cool hanging out with him because, um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a Kleinian through and through. And, um, and and not only that, but he took me into the faculty room and, made, and we had a coffee and we just kind of was chilling like it was RTS faculty. And, uh, yeah, we just we're just sort of going way deep into the, the dissertation I had in mind. And, you know, he gave me some angles. He, he sent me some uh, personal correspondence between Klein and Van Til um that he had wow yeah just stuff that you can't get and um it, big. didn't he like recently do something with mation's letters like he's, yeah because well, he's an archivist he's oh, got access to all this everything. original stuff that no one's ever seen exactly that's why he was the guy and you know who put me in contact with him chris kahi so um yeah that was good i mean he was so friendly and so helpful and so um just yeah gave me his cards said hey get hold of me anytime so i will i will do that and yeah. um yeah. and then i heard you hanging out with jim and joe I, I caught up with the doc and diva episode talking about the law of god and the covenant of works it's good oh my goodness can you hear that in the background is that your dog barking bear? that is a dog we got what make a, a dog what breed of dog is that it's a dog cat <laughs> it's a cat dog a cat dog yeah it's like this little cute fluffy thing and uh you know it's kind of like ultimately annoying but it's weaseled its way into my heart and mm. the kids love it so i just thought well you know what oh, there you go. cool guess what i did all day today what i did a retreat at tamuka baptist church so we've got a church up the road it's in a little township of about four thousand people 15 minutes up the road from timaru Mm-hmm. And this church has had no pastor. They've dwindled down to about eight to ten people. Mm-hmm. It's a Baptist Union church, so there's three other Baptist Union churches in town here in Timaru. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went to go do a retreat with them to do uh, sort of to begin a relationship to head towards a revitalization work. Wow! And we did a SWOT analysis. Have you heard of that? No. Sounds like somebody so, X29 would do. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, so you look at your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. Nice. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And, and and how did that? Uh, what what analysis did that yield? Uh yeah. I mean, it's lovely people. None of them are like elder or pastor quality. So, 
you know, you're asking a lot of questions of people who don't necessarily have that way of thinking or those answers. So in many ways, the supporting churches who want to help revitalize the work are the ones are going to have to come up with a lot of the analysis and assessment. Mm. This is something I think is super important for New Zealand, certainly, and probably a lot of the states, certainly a lot of Australia. But um, the Church in Hard Places uh, initiative by X29 has been really mm. encouraging. Uh, one yeah. of the things that you know was crazy, there was a guy in the States who was, oh, yeah, f- uh, we were in the States, but he was from South Africa. He was from the Cape Flats. And he was uh, one of the guys in Church in Hard Places. And he was just, it was so therapeutic hearing the hearing his stories because i mean he would he would tell you know the stuff we kind of grew up you know with and you sort of repress it from your memory because you realize like i mean, well you, you know i remember going to the uk and and realizing it's not normal for like 50 people a night to die in in, in the in one area <laughs> of a city and um you know especially of that small of a population and um yeah. and so you know you just sort of carry on as if that didn't happen i don't know but but um you know this guy was just he he's this pastor in the middle of of one of these cities uh one of these um areas and um and he's sort of you know the the gangs are just as as bad as they could be he reckons the death count is literally higher than a war zone um you know crazy it's it's just next level so it sort of was affirming all those things i mean i used to deal drugs in those areas so i know and he he laughed when he heard me say that because he was like yeah (laughs) those are the only two white guys you you ever see two kinds of white guys the the drug dealers and the guys with the pasta for christian missionaries (laughs) (laughs) so you know and and at the end of the day i mean he's just you know they've got this amazing opportunity to to um to mediate between the gangs and that the one way you can get out of the gangs is if you join the church and the gangs will leave you alone and it's just uh, insane but he was just just reminding everyone about the situation in south africa and he's just one of the guys in church in hard places but they're doing things in new zealand yeah. as well so they've actually i think that they're, they're going to run a conference really soon cool yeah i mean so if you're around one of those get to it um other than that i mean it's just uh it's really helpful just for a lot of new zealand is is rural you know and so yeah it's difficult That's right and they're just pushing I think like, the, uh, the yeah the liberal movement has just bled the country churches dry i mean the country churches used to be places that were really strong yep and then liberalism hit all the, the denominations yep. and people just lost their confidence in the church and they just stopped going well, i can go out to a town uh, 45 minutes inland from us fairly uh-huh. and there are there are christians who've just stopped going to church mm-hmm. they love the lord but there's just nowhere to go nowhere to go well the yeah. thing is like you know, one thing I really, because you, if I think now, hey, let's plant a church in a rural area, or let, let's say I wanted to go plant a church in a rural area, my number one concern would be, all right, I'm never going to get off the ground. I'm never actually going to be self-sustained. I'm never going to be planted in the way that I currently think of. And um, yeah. and one of the things that they're really challenging is the way we think of a church officially being planted. It's not that it gets a building or it's self-sustaining, which is usually the criteria. Um it's 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 you know something else, and they're challenging churches, established churches, to just for the entire lifespan of this church, if it if it needs be, to support them, so that we can yeah. see you know tons of rural churches planted, <clears throat> supported by churches in the inner city. I there think is something great. like that. Um, the Grace Presbys have, a, I think it's called the Grace Evangelical Church in Fairley. So there's Ashburton, which is a major town an hour north of us, where there's uh, an established Grace Presby Church. And then there's this little satellite church where a guy called um, Andrew 
Johnson preaches. Mm-hmm. I actually get him to preach for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he runs a little evening service for between five and ten people every Sunday, faithfully. Mm-hmm. He's a sheep farmer. Um, he, he's able to bring a decent word. And uh, he just keeps plodding on. And, and uh, Grace Presbyterian just keeps supporting him. Yeah. Um, That's great. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we, you see a lot of... You know, because often you have those guys, they have to be bivocational. And that's another thing that weakens, I suppose. Um, you know, just compare that to, say, like Jonathan Edwards or those guys that used to be out <laughs> rural and, you know, used yeah. to be the big theologians, essentially. They used to have the time. Their small congregations meant they had time to write and produce massive theological works. And um, and so, the um, you know, it wouldn't be great if we actually see that become like a... A thing where you know you plant a church in a rural area, you know you know you you're going to be supported not not merely to to survive but thrive as a full time minister, you know, and uh, it actually becomes a good solid pastoral mm. um, goal for for many people. And rural is great. I mean, rural is conservative. Oh, totally. It's a great place to raise your kids. Yeah, you, it's usually very uh, very well connected, strong sense of community. Um, you know, if you move in there and you're able to connect with the people in the community, it's usually good, solid, deep friendships. Totally. And the, yeah. the ministry that comes from it, I mean, you're, you're looking at pastor, pastor, you know, I mean, with those, you're shepherding a flock that you know well. And, yeah. you know, over the years, you just walk with them. I mean, it's a glorious calling. And it really is a shame that we've messed it up so bad in terms of just, yeah. I, I just realized it dawned on me, it's our paradigm of church planning that's actually the problem. And um, and uh, so I really appreciated what these guys were saying and what they were doing. And, um, good. and you know, I'm hoping to see some fruit come from that. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, at the, at this stage, we're in the inner city and, and we're not exactly, uh, in the place where we can support another church, but man, I'm starting to pray in that direction now. Um, cause that would be amazing. That's good. Yeah. yeah I mean, the farmers are, uh, a needy group. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an average of 18 farmers committing suicide a year in New Zealand. Yeah. They've got these huge financial debts. Some of these guys have taken their old sheep farms, converted them into dairy farms and then boom, disease or the market crashes or something mm. happens. And these guys are sitting there with major stress, major family problems, and mm, then totally. they need pastors. Get on, get on board with yeah. to try and see how you can be used in that, and and um, and who can support you in that. Because uh, one thing's for sure, I'm not going to the farm, bro. I'm an inner city guy. <laughs> <That's different. laughs> like I can, as, I can, as glorious of a calling as it is, I'm not going. Yeah, bro. I, I fantasize of like New York style apartments with no gardens. Exactly. The less greenery, the better. And I'm just so I'm so pleased that the New Jerusalem is a massive city. Town. It's a city. <laughs> it's not a farm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, totally. No, yeah. I mean, so hey, we, but I know guys that would just, um, uh, the, you know, the idea of inner city church planting does nothing for them, but they would love that rural lifestyle. Well, I, yeah. I'm just excited that. I mean, again, like largely. I mean, if you think about reaching your own country, I mean. It, in New Zealand, it is truly largely rural, and um, and so we've got to be thinking in those areas. But Australia is the same thing. I mean, dude, that place is just all all just desert wasteland. Yeah, lots know? of outback. Yeah, so you've got to you got to be thinking in terms of that small and and you know the states too. I mean, you know, as big and as you know awesome and crazy as it is, you know, most churches are like fifty. 50 people and you know you have a bivocational pastor and they've got to be thinking like this too so i heard about a church of 30 in like a little rural setting that was supporting 50 full-time ministries uh, missionaries yeah Yeah. so these farmers with their massive farms and their big 
companies wow with big cash oh that's amazing (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, ash burton up the road has the highest earning per capita so it's a little town of maybe around twenty thousand. but because of the amount of farmers um just compared to the rest of the population of new zealand they've got the highest earnings yeah yeah i like it too because you can you know with keller's whole thing the way you know he's all about planting in the city because yeah, God loves city more than he loves country because he likes well, people more than he likes because, trees and there's more people than trees in cities. <laughs> kind of. And then, and pagans are in the country. <laughs> pagans in their, <laughs> the way he derives the word pagan from the country and everything. But, um, but what I loved about it is that, you, you know, you really don't have to throw that away as a missional strategy in that, you, you know, even, I mean, you do need to plant in the city, get the people to get the support to plant churches. And yeah. um, and so uh, there is a special place for that kind of, uh, I suppose, Antioch kind of church. Uh, that's but, but then we just got to follow through with it and we got to plant uh, all, all throughout. So I don't know. I came home yeah, with good. my commission really clear. So anyways, that's uh, if you want more inform- information about that, check out Church at Hard Places. Um, they're mm-hmm. uh, now officially affiliated with Acts 29. And so hopefully we'll see some that's action great. there. Uh, but, you know, Chat to guys like Nick as well. You're out in the sticks, bro. So barely, bro. Barely. Yeah, doing your SWAT analysis. SWAT. <laughs> Swatting the enemy. It's amazing. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Let's uh, let's draw that to a close. That's a Wednesday, whatever. Winging it, catch up, and a little bit about rural church planning. Uh, mm. Stay with us for some more Pod Week uh, starting tomorrow. Thursday theology. Keep it real. Mm.